You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chris Scales, David Flowers, Tony Groves, William Gibson. Hey, guys. Hey, what's up, man? Good evening. Hey, well, it's Tuesday. It's week 13. And uh, boy, we got a lot of stuff to go over today. So let's jump right into it. Uh, let's talk racing results. NASCAR iRacing Series. And uh, boy, I started out Wednesday fixed. Uh, a guy got into the wall and I couldn't miss it, man. I had to plow right in. And it's just one of those things you can't miss. So P20. Uh, Chris, you ran with me that day, but you got a top ten. Yeah, I had a, a pretty good race that that uh that night. Um, had a um, raced a lot this week. Actually, that was probably one of my better finishes. Yeah, so let's go through the rest of those Wednesday Open. P12 for me uh, ran twentieth to thirtieth. Actually, most of the race, and I got to tell you, it's humbling when you're running what you deserve. And I felt like that's where I deserved to run. You know, I was about 20th fast at the most. But uh, green flag stops eventually happened. I actually spun on pit road on my green flag stop right at the entry. And once I got past the line, the car was just squirrely from slowing down. And I, I went to the left, I went to the right, and it went around on me. Um, so, you know, tires were toast. Um, so, you know, I came out 30th after that green flag stop. I finally got a caution 23 laps later. I was tempted to stay out, but uh, Chris, I was glad you're there. You were my voice of reason. He, you told me to pit <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and forget the wave around. It was a good move because uh, 13 laps later, a caution did come out. I got, I stayed out on that one, got my wave around, and then another quick caution so I could get tires. And so back on the lead lap on the same cycle of tires, and it worked out real good. At that point, we were close to the end, and we started wrecking the whole time. Uh, <clears throat> worked my way up as they did it, and uh, P12. So good setup by teammate Greg Hectus I was running. It was real stable. Uh, David, you ran the same set from Greg but had a better result. Yeah, I just I managed to get the top five. It, the I managed to stay out of trouble, thankfully, and Seth kept me going, and last set of pit stops i overdrove the car and tried to slow down and i i think i just misjudged my gears because i i guess i ended up shifting shifting down to first and spun into the wall so by the time i got my damage fixed and everything it i finished fifth you had a third going though right yeah like like i we were on a super super long green flag run and i guess the leader came up on a lap car with you know i guess the leader's tires were smoked and wrecked and that's what caused the caution otherwise i'd have finished third if we'd have stayed green because the guys behind me i was pulling away from because they had smoked their tires way earlier yeah good run for you um long time coming right uh yeah i mean i had a pretty good finish at daytona i'm i'm starting to i i feel i'm starting to put consistent you know top 10 top fives together so it's it's working for me and uh, Chris, you ran, and uh, I wrote down after your race, caution fest. 
Oh, yeah, it was a nightmare. But, um, yeah, I wasn't particularly good anyway. Um, we had our set that we had from um, our anonymous donor, and when we first got it, it was only good from probably lap 5 to maybe 15 in the run. It was kind of rough to drive in the first five, and then it just completely went away after about 25 laps, and that was the set I ran. So it was a kind of a rough race, but it ended up with a P10. It wasn't a bad finish. And I believe um, I had thought all week that uh, – Gregory had um, built his set off of kind of a modded um, BRS set, but I just found out the other night, I didn't know if you're aware, that was actually our anonymous donor set that he had tweaked up. Oh. So, he had, so, yeah, it ended up being an awesome set. Yeah, we had a lot of uh, sets where we were working and different people were trying different things and very interesting. Uh... All right, let's talk Thursday fixed. Uh... Greg, uh, teammate Greg Hectus, uh, he finished seventh. He lost his sound on lap 50 from that point on. Uh, 13 to go. He was restarting second. Uh, and anyway, he ended up seventh. Uh, teammate Tyler Conroy wrecked uh, pretty early. Um, Justin uh, finished his second week running inside the top 10, but get wrecked. He said it's getting old. And then Friday night, uh, Greg... Uh, Hectus ran P7 in the open, uh, was black flagged with 24 to go and got lucky as he was down pit road when the caution came out, raced his way back through all the lap cars after starting 18th and got up to 7th. Uh, Chris, uh, not so good for you there. <laughs> no, I had a pretty good race. Um, ran that Hectus set, and, yeah, it was fast. It was awesome. It would absolutely um, just destroy guys after about 10 laps i mean their, their stuff would be burnt up and um mine and greg's stuff would just roll by him we had a lot of fun that race but i think i was running top five top 10 with um a couple laps to go and got got wrecked and finished a couple laps down yeah one guy i run with uh sometimes in my split jonathan dickert he was leading to the points in division two after getting a vegas win his team uh fast lane has been really uh stout this year, I think they had the top three positions in the points in Division Two. Um, so, congrats to those guys. Uh, Saturday fixed, uh, Brandon Uhouse. We haven't talked about him much, but he is a teammate here with us. He doesn't run because he's been working a lot, but he did run Saturday fixed. P20 for him. Uh, he got into the fence. Uh, three minutes optional. Couldn't hold the wheel straight. So, bad race for him. Uh, Sunday open. Boy, that's an early race. You ran that, Chris. How'd it go? <laughs> that was rough. Um, actually, um, Tony, I, Tony, I believe you were spotting for me that race. I raced so much for, uh, this week, I kind of got things uh, mixed up. But, uh, yeah, I got black flagged for um, some other driver's garbage. You know, the I didn't get – he was one guy was involved in a wreck, didn't get caught back up before pit road. And the other one was just a, a guy wouldn't get lined up before a restart. Um, but uh, made a, a couple laps back, ended up finishing a couple laps down, P14. But it, the car was fast. I had a blast that race. Yeah, David, you ran that too, I think. No, I didn't. No? Okay. And then Sunday night, uh, P15 for me. I was actually as high as P9. Uh, some guy clipped me going down the straight, lost all my track position. And it's so, I, I couldn't pass at this track, really. The only way I was making my way up were people wrecking or on pit road, you know, kind of thing. Uh, let's talk about Tyler Conroy. 
he had a problem with his pedals. He has these brand new V3 pedals, which are very popular, good pedals, you know, well-known pedals. And he's been struggling with them. In fact, at Atlanta, he lost 500 I rating. Um, and then at Vegas, he was struggling as well. And so he's downgraded his pedals. He went back to his original G29 pedals. And guess what? Won the race on his old pedals. And he said, oh, I'm getting rid of those V3s. But, uh, Will, you said he might have worked it out, right? Yeah, he sounds like he was playing with some of the damper settings and messing with the springs. I think he's got those things back where he liked them. I think the initial pedal out of the box was just a little softer than he was used to. So, from what I understand, it sounds like he's got those things back working good. So, well, he's got his confidence back anyway. I think so. I think so. Because I was thinking about getting a set of those. So, um, I hope he figures them out so he can let me know what he does when he gets them. Because... The G29 pedals are nice, but those Fanatec seem nicer. Yeah, and then Chris, uh, even though last night of the week, uh, still a caution fest for you and Greg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was another nightmare race. I actually don't even remember where I finished. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those nights. Uh, Greg had a P23. He was a blown engine and uh, came back right at the end and tried to get another spot, but... Yeah, I think I ended up having a pretty decent finish out of that one just because of all the attrition. But, yeah, I think you remember us um, cussing out our, our field pretty much the whole race. I think we were like 30 laps behind you guys running the same race. It was nuts. Yeah, you had like four cautions within the first 20 laps. Yeah, it straightened out a little bit a little bit later in the race. But, yeah, those the first 50 laps or so, were, we pretty much just ran under, under caution. It was not a lot of fun. All right, let's talk. Uh, so that's Vegas. Let's talk Phoenix coming up. Uh, we have one set. Uh, it's it's a super set, and we'll talk about what that is in a little bit. Uh, I ran it a little bit today. Didn't really like the feel of it, but, you know, it doesn't fall off much. What do you guys think? You still got to be easy with it, especially coming out of turn four. It just... I did about 15 laps, and after lap five, I spun because it just... It has grip. You just you still got to be easy with it. Yeah, I ran a, a handful of laps with it. I haven't had a chance to run a, a longer run yet, but it definitely seems like it has speed. But my only problem is this is my first time at Phoenix, so getting that speed to onto the track is another thing. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we were talking about the backstretch, uh, cutting the dog leg. I mean, what do you guys think about that? Yay, nay? Uh, you know, only sometimes. I was telling David. A lot of people do it every single lap because it is an advantage, but you got to be able to hold it. And uh, I only do it on occasion. I, I honestly wish that it was just you couldn't do it if there was some way that they could, you know, below the line is out of bounds or whatever. But the problem is, as long as it's an option, um, people are going to do it because it's faster. Yeah. My problem was coming out of three. Uh, Felt like the back was pinned, but the front was kind of moving around left to right, and it's kind of a weird, un weird imbalance. I don't know, but we'll see how it goes tomorrow. Uh, let's jump to Road to Pro. We ran that in the Truck Series on last Tuesday night. Uh, myself, P17. I got what I ran. Uh, I got tight on long runs, actually, um, but that's about what I deserved. Uh, that's probably a little better than I, I ran, actually. 
Uh, I think that was the highest I got all night was right at the end, P17. Uh, Flowers, uh, you're, you were out there almost dead last. Yeah, uh, me and Will took two tires just to see what would happen, and right as we were coming through three and four, a truck just got completely sideways on me. I couldn't catch it, and about eight people ran me over and, you know, killed my race. Ouch, two tires is a tough call. Uh, teammate Justin Laird, uh, he actually led 99 laps, finished P4. Uh, great race for Justin. Um, I think that's his best finish in the Road to Pro. And then Phil Gary, t uh, new teammate, P3, uh, ran top five most of the race, started P2, fell back as far as eighth. And then Tony, uh, your one race of the week, uh, tell us how you ran. Yeah, yeah, my one and only and lonely race of the week. Um, what a bummer. But anyways, this race was not a bummer. Um, lots of fun, although I didn't start out very good. I uh, I totally missed my box on the first stop. I forgot what my number was and just drove right by it. I was looking for my, my, my pit crew. Um, they might have been off having a ham sandwich because uh, I, I didn't see it. But we were uh, – it was pretty cluttered on pit road, so um, – yeah, it, uh, when it when it all rolled out, put me back to 25th, and uh, you know, I, I spent the rest of the race just battling back, um, and uh, you know it was a lot of fun. And that car was so stable. Um, I really really enjoyed that set we had. Um, but the last five to ten laps was uh, you know kind of put the icing on the cake. I was uh, racing Chris Scales to for that for that last finish there, and you know he almost got me on a almost got me a few times but i was able to fend him off and uh finished p9 so yeah p9 <laughs> yeah. for you p10 for chris yep one spot behind tony <laughs> it was a, it was a fun race he's right the the truck was fast we both had a blast i was running um in the top five i think fifth or sixth and um got doored and knocked to the outside line and fell back right behind tony and he, <laughs> there's two different kinds of Tonys. There's the Tony that was riding around for, you know, the first half of the race that was trying to save his stuff. And then there was that Tony for the last couple of laps. That he, he drove his butt off, man. Couldn't get around him. You didn't think about putting the old chrome horn in there? No, no, no definitely not to a teammate. But, yeah, it's hard to pass there. You can you could get a run down low, but you couldn't pull off the pass, you know, most of the time. Oh, and, yeah, you you, you tried coming to the inside of me and I was like, Oh, that's, that's where I wanted you to be. Cause that outside lane was working really well for me. And, um, I knew coming off the, uh, off the end of that corner there, I'd have been able to, um, you know, at least, at least maybe get a half a car length in front of you and hopefully try and keep you there. But that was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. We did have a lot of fun. I actually did, um, um, knock on his back door one time throughout the race. Cause we had actually raced with each other a couple of times. Uh, through the race, and I did give him a little bumper nudge once, but uh, just as a little zero X, just something to say hi. Yeah, that inside was tough. I mean, if you tried to pass somebody on the inside, it felt like you were going to push up into them, and it was t it was really hard to pass down there. So that's uh, Road to Pro. Uh, no race tonight uh, due to week 13, so uh, we'll see. We'll go get them next week. Uh, uh, in other racing, uh, let's talk uh, official and GRC teammate Phil Linden uh, ran some MX5 Cup car at Laguna Seca and got a 
P1 for qualifying and a P1 for the finish. And basically, they wrecked behind him, and uh, he brought it home. Uh, so good race there. And uh, then in GRC, uh, also got a win, uh, starting P3, finishing P1. Uh, so good job, uh, Phil, on that. Uh, um, won some heats and uh, got another feature, P2, and almost, and, and actually won, uh, with the fastest lap of the race. So uh, I believe Phil is going to plan on running the uh, – upcoming pro GRC series or road to pro for GRC. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, peak. They're running tonight. What do you guys think? Uh, um, I might, might try to catch uh, a little bit of it, but I think I'm going to be doing uh, some practicing for uh, Phoenix tomorrow. Yeah, I think we're yeah, going to run a hosted here. race tonight, right? Yep, and yeah, anybody's welcome to join, but obviously by the time anybody hears this podcast, it's going to be over. <laughs> well, it'll be interesting to see the, what happens in peak due, the, to, due to the supersets, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but let's go to topics. Uh, Will, you're first. Yeah, so we started the week out um, kind of like you, most builds. They kind of hype you up for the build, letting out some media content. Um, I believe the first thing to leak was the pictures of the new IR18 IndyCar. Um, and they followed up with a video on Twitter shortly following, showing that thing in action. Um, next day, we kind of got, I believe it was the Audi R18. We got a really nice video for that. Um, about an hour later, they put the video out with the dirt tracks, um, a Lima Land and the Charlotte dirt track. Um, we did get a really cool video of the Sonoma build. And they actually did a really good job, I think, of not showing too much content. Um, you could definitely tell it was at Sonoma, but you couldn't tell the layout of the track at all. And then the final day of actually, this morning, or yesterday morning, sorry, they released a Porsche 919 hybrid video. So they really had enough content that they could kind of stretch it out throughout the week and kind of get everybody hyped up. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw any of those videos. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh you know, we first saw the IndyCar pictures, and they had some pictures of the new Pocono track, and it is actually paved down the backstretch, uh, which I thought was interesting because that's the way it is now. And uh, kind of neat to see those first shots. I kind of wish they would get these videos in out a little bit sooner than seven days before the build comes out. And they have tons of really good content, but it's all so sudden and all on top of each other. Uh, it doesn't really give each uh, video justice, you know. Yeah, the, the quality of videos they're putting out now is phenomenal. Probably the best I've ever remember. Um, but you're right, they stack them so much and so close. It gets you hyped up, but you're already a week away, so you're already excited. If they did it a, two weeks in advance, I think it would definitely help build up the excitement for the build. Yeah, and like the IndyCar video with the new IndyCar, the, the sound or the music that goes with it is just phenomenal. And... Uh really adds to it um but you get really hyped you're like man i want to drive that so pretty cool uh, neat way to use social media and uh you know video and you know obviously pictures to try to drum up interest for the upcoming build uh i mean i saw the porsche video and i was like Wow, that thing looks awesome. And I think, David, I told you 
hey, maybe we want to buy that Porsche instead of the Audi. No, nope, bought the Audi instead. Better pedigree. <laughs> but I think I like the Porsche video better. Okay, that's that's fine, Mike. But when you look at the pedigree, <laughs> Audi's kicked Porsche's ass. All right. I, I like the look of the Porsche better, but we'll probably buy the Audi since you already bought it. It's uh, uh it's very hard and interesting to drive. You you can't see hardly. The brakes are touchy. It takes forever to get to top speed. But man, is it exhilarating! So it's got the low, medium, and high downforce uh, yeah. package, right? And we were talking about you might we might need like an owner's manual to figure out how to run this thing. It's got so many options and settings and stuff. Yeah, it does. You can you can literally go in and change like when you hit the brakes, how much charge comes into your batteries, you know, like your curve system and everything. Like it just yeah, you, you it it's a lot. Let's talk about uh other content that we just talked about here. I mean, we talked about Sonoma GRC. Will you and I jumped in a practice earlier to run this track for the first time and uh christopher bell uh, from the xfinity series joe gibbs racing joined us as well and uh what'd you think of that track man it was awesome i love it yeah i'd say that hands down is probably my favorite grc track to date um mostly because how fast you're going it's a lot of the other tracks you go fast you slow down you turn this one, like, you go down the drag strip, you turn on to this dirt hill, and you go up the hill, and it's so fast, so high speed. There's going to be a lot less room for air on it. But, yeah, hands down, the funnest thing I think I've raced. Kind of wrecked Christopher Bell a little bit. Um, but, yeah, no, that was a ton of fun. Um, it's amazing how fast that track is compared to the rest. It's like the GRC Super Speedway at the, this point. Oh yeah, you. I mean, going into the dirt section off the dragway, the drag strip is is a uh, pavement, and then you turn off into the dirt, and you're in sixth gear. Maybe going down to fifth, maybe not. You know, and you're just flying through that that dirt section, and it's really forgiving because if you miss it, it'll let you go off on the grass, and you just keep on going. You know, and trucking. You just there's no one X for off track or any of that. And it's really smooth, so you can pretty much save the car and keep going. And it's fast, man. Uh, Christopher Bell, on the other hand, this guy is an animal, man. Uh, let me tell you, I looked at the times. I was looking at my fast lap, okay? What was my best lap? Because I felt like I got up to speed pretty good, and I was, like, pretty darn quick. Um, and I look at my fast lap, and then I look at Christopher Bell's set of laps. And every single lap he ran, even his very first lap on a brand new track, every lap he ran was faster than my fastest lap. And his fast lap was one and a half seconds faster than my fast lap. Yeah, I got behind him um, coming off the jump. And you kind of come off the jump, you go down the drag strip, and then you kind of go backwards where the Indy cars run on the big loop that the cup cars kind of removed, I think, in, like, the mid-90s. And once we hit the dirt, he just was so smooth and just crept away, crept away from me, like, as if I had an extra 200 pounds on my car. So, um, 
Yeah, he definitely gets it done, but yeah, it's hands down one of the funnest tracks so far. All right, cool. It, it's amazing how fast he is. Yeah, I was just blown away by he's in another level than I am, that's for sure. But uh, it's fun. I'm going to get out there and race out some more. I was a little disappointed. It's week 13. It's a brand new track, and there's no series running at that track. You know, why don't we have GRC running at Sonoma right now? It's stupid. Typically, from my memory, the Week 13 series will rotate every day. So we'll have, like, I think Daytona today and something different tomorrow. I wouldn't be surprised if we have Sonoma in the next day or so. Yeah. Yeah, that could be. I was disappointed to not see that. We had to actually go to Hosted to find a place to run. Um, but, yeah, ch everyone check that out. Sonoma GRC track is fast fast and if and i was telling will at one point when the, if the tires get hot enough you can keep that car in a constant slide the entire lap i mean where the thing is just always going and uh it's fun yeah they did a they did a really good job with that um now that we have that track i think we need more of that nature not that the other ones are bad they just feel like short tracks where this feels like a a full-size track yeah and you really uh you know bringing speed through the the drag strip part after the jump and into the the hills there on the dirt all right chris you got the next topic all right <laughs> so that march build no the huge news on three dirt pro series oh yeah that's right um right above that uh release notes go on yeah i don't I'm know sorry. if you have the doc but i'll take it but tyler hudson he said uh posted up in the forums uh official information about the three dirt pro series so uh world of outlaw which is the sprint car and the super lates and then GRC. And uh, we knew this was coming and this is the official announcement basically. Uh, GRC is gonna run on Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern. It's gonna start March 22nd through April 19th. Uh, it's gonna be three heats, two console consolation races and a feature. The top 23 in points after the Pro Series are eligible for a World Championship Series license. And uh, our teammate Phil Linden is planning on running for this, so I uh, hope he uh, does a good job. I uh, can't. I would try it, but I have to work when this is being run, so I'll be at work. So it, I'm kind of bummed about the schedule. Uh, iRacing will pay more than $15,000 in total cash and prizes. Uh, for this event. I'm going to run sprint cars, but I'm definitely going to need Will's help. <laughs> yeah, I need, a, I need to figure out what I got to do to get these days off of work. Um, the only thing I see that's kind of really odd about this is the late models and sprint cars run back to back within one hour. And I don't think that's enough time for them to run one set of races and then have a driver go do the others. So I think you're really going to have to commit to one or the other. 
and you're not going to be able to run both series, which I think is kind of a little disappointing, and I hope they tweak it a little bit. I think a two-hour gap would be good. Um, because, I mean, three heat races, cautions, two cons, I mean, that that's going to take way more than a one hour uh, to get done, especially the lay models is like a 50-lap a feature. So I, I hope they spread those out a little bit because I would like to see people run both um, and not have to pick and choose. But all in all, I'm super excited for these series. I wish I had the time to run them. I think that was the idea, so everybody could run both of them if they wanted to. But you're right, maybe the timing won't work up. Uh, sprint cars are Monday nights, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. And then an hour later, 9.30 p.m. Eastern is the late models. I, I want to run sprint cars just because like I have more time in those. I, I don't have a handle on the late models yet, much less the super late with all the horsepower so again it's a day that i'm at work during that time so i'm going to miss this as well so i'm kind of bummed but uh it's the same kind of deal they have fifteen thousand in total cash and prizes and uh you know the top people are going to in points are going to get a pro license yeah the only thing i'm curious about is this is going to be snake splits it's a five race series with one drop week so i mean i wonder I'm not going to say a bad quality driver is going to make it. I think the cream will always rise to the top. But I'm just curious of, are we really going to get the best of the best at the top? Because um, you get five, six good guys in one race, and then the rest of the races aren't as good. Like, that's going to bump somebody out. So um, I'm a little nervous. I know they're kind of, I feel like they're rushing us a little bit. But I'm sure they'll get the bugs worked out definitely for next year for sure. So when they run snake splits like that, um, how does uh, how do the points work? Does it, did everybody just get points equal all the way through the race? All the different splits get equal points because they all have basically the same strength of field. Yeah, and it's and it's also open to all license. So um, I think the only way this is going to work is if we get 15, 20 different splits. If we are only going to get 10 splits maybe 15 splits like that's gonna be tough because you're really compressing those good drivers together so i don't know i i'm curious to see what happens i hope it works i'm just a little pessimistic at this point i guess yeah kind of same here especially with the five race series i mean uh that's kind of short too so i, I can see how you could have a guy that maybe isn't all that great but he you know lucks into a lot of good finishes yep. and ends up making it Especially in GRC, I mean, because the wreck fest at turn one usually, and and some unexpected people can win these uh, events. You're right. You know, if you make all five weeks, just doing that alone, and like if there's not a lot of people running, I mean, we might get people that are pros that are really probably not ready to be pro. Oh yeah, I don't I even counting in the one drop week. So really, that's only four weeks. I mean, you could get four lucky weeks put together. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I've I've raced a lot of these dirt cars. I really like the late models, like the sprint cars. I just prefer the late models a little bit. And I would say I'm a when there's good drivers, I'm a good mid pack driver. But when you get a lot of these people out there, there's a lot of hazards. Like a lot could happen because those races are so short. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody just kind of fails their way into this. Yeah, cash on the line. Fifteen grand on each one of these three series what we're talking about. So Well, I think the I think the cash is the next series this feeds into. 
Okay. So, so this five race series, I think there's no prize money, but those 20, I think it was at 23 drivers that make it, they're going to be the ones battling for the cash. I see. Yeah, I encourage people to participate. And this is happening soon, March 19th through April 16th. So if I wasn't, especially Mondays, because there's no NIS on Mondays, man, I'd be all over this. I think they've done a great job laying out their content um, as far as the world championships. Because we'll have late models and sprint cars Monday night, NIS or Road to Pro on Tuesday night. Um, I don't know what's going on Wednesday. I think that's NIS. NIS Open. And then, um, yeah, so I think they've done a great job of, because there's so much content, they've divided it up very well. Yeah, the Thursday's so. GRC uh, Pro, and then Friday is the normal dirt night, you know. Well, I, I believe those are ending going into this series. Okay. I think what we're used to as dirt night is going to be Monday night, World of Outlaws, Thursday night, uh -huh. GRC. All right, well, let's get into the next topic. Uh, Tony, what do you got? Well... Here it is, the uh, the 2018 Season 2 release notes. Um, you know, the the updates here, we've all downloaded it, and uh, we've been talking about it for weeks. But, man, this thing is huge. The, uh, <laughs> um, the, the forum, while. yeah, well, the, like the forum post is just, it's probably three pages long. Um, there is, <laughs> they, they just did a massive amount of updates. Um, you know, it, some highlights, uh uh, additional functionality and performance enhancements for the iRacing uh, beta interface, um, yeah, custom car classes, uh, extensive rally cross race control updates, dirt oval cushion modeling improvements, complete hand-over-hand -hand animations for all vehicles now, uh, a whole brand new crowd system, and if if you want it, now it looks like you got the, the 3D crowd. Um, that's kind of neat. Um, New cars, obviously, the Audi R18, the Dallara IR18, uh, Porsche 919 Hybrid, um, the new uh, Charlotte Dirt Track, and the Lima Land Motorsports Park, uh, a Pocono Raceway Track Upgrade, and the Sonoma Raceway Rallycross. Now, I mean, this is just a, a tip of the iceberg of um, what's happening in this up. The, this uh the, the update um it is it is huge and they've looks like they've they've touched on just about every little area um that we all uh complain about and it looks like a bunch of areas that we haven't complained about yet yeah absolutely uh the custom car classes will you were looking into that what is that about it, from what i could tell you could make different classes of cars so say gt3 um right now we know it includes like the ferrari the audi um mercedes and there's a few of them Mer uh, mclaren that's a car class so say if you want to do a race where like you have it. yeah you want to host the race and you want to have say a, a oval race you want like a pro car so you get the super late model and the late model in their own class and then you want to have some fun and throw the miatas in the Pontiac's in, you can make that like the junior class. Oh, I see. You so, make your own class. Correct. So, yeah. So, say you want to mix it up and have a little fun, you could mix and match types of cars and classes. So, it um, gives you just more control over those custom races. I know 
I did one the other day. It was like a Oxford Plains and a Pontiac Solstice, and it was like a hundred laps. And it was weird. It was fun, and I think that's going to give those creative people much more options as far as how they host their races. So it'll be really neat to see what comes out of that. Yeah, I think the big one too, dirt cushion. That's where they have the buildup on the outside, and uh, haven't had a chance to try that yet. But we probably need to get on a track and do a lot of laps to really see it. I did some practice at Lima Land with a zero percent track in the Wings Four Ten, and then I did that with seventy five percent, and I felt something. It definitely felt a little different, not as much. So I really think it is the laps on the track more so than the state of the track. So um, that's kind of what I got on that so far. Not a whole lot there, but it did feel a little different. I don't know if that was maybe just the changes to the wing sprint car, but um, yeah, I'm excited for that. So speaking of uh, dirt cars, um, there, there was a question put on the, on the forums um, about the, uh, the late models and uh, staff member, Steve Reese, uh, well, he, he chimed in on this one um, and uh, let us all know what they've been working on. So he says uh, they've updated uh, front bump stop rate curves with more accurate data. Uh, the shock lengths and positions using more accurate data. Um, they trimmed nose valance and door skirts in the model to more typical lengths and adjusted collision elements accordingly. As well, um, collision elements in the nose and tail to allow closer racing per member suggestions and feedback. Um, he also uh, says here, the net result is a more reali realistic attitude stance in terms of how the car stays up on the bars and how things look from the driver's seat. The left right hikes up more than the right front, sorry, the left right hikes up more and the right front travels more. The car feels softer, more lively in general, and is just a lot of fun to drive. Um, he had a ton of help from a, from a few real life drivers and everyone's uh pretty excited about it have you had a chance to to check this out will um, it's late model yeah unfortunately not not yet i remember about two three weeks ago they had the engineers there at clinton Boyer shop so i assume that's what they were working on um but no i haven't got to try it yet i watched some videos um it looks a little bit better but between the new car the new cushion there's so much going on it's kind of hard to tell what was causing what um, I did get a chance to drive the Indy car, but not a whole lot yet on the dirt lane model. Yeah, it, I saw some pictures too of the from the back, uh, the super late up on the bars, so to speak. And it looks so odd the way the suspension sits and the way the, the car is riding on the chassis. But uh, I, that's how those real life cars work. And I think it's interesting that iRacing is continuing to improve the dirt model all the cars and it's not it's a work in progress you know even though it came out a year ago uh you know they're still actively working on it yeah no it makes me really excited um they did some stuff with the fuel in the sprint cars to kind of help manage the performance because people were kind of gaming the system a little bit there um the next big thing i think we're going to need is tire wear um and proper fuel burn off but the fact that they've put this much effort in is just it keeps me excited for the new content coming out as someone who enjoys dirt racing because that's a complex thing and there's really no other um, sim out there that offers what iRacing offers as far as dirt goes. So they honestly could leave it how it is and 
still have no competition, but they're still striving to make it perfect or as perfect as they can. And that keeps me that keeps me going on the dirt side. So I'm really excited. They're putting a lot of effort into this. Some of the things I want to point out in the release notes, uh, besides what Tony mentioned, um, Rally Cross, when you look at the relative box and you go through the Joker, it has a different color now. And it's real clear that you're in the Joker. And uh, they fixed a bunch of relative things with the relative uh, box as far as Rally Cross goes. Because uh, if you re recall, if you go through the Joker, it doesn't really keep track of where you're at compared to everybody else. And they kind of clean that up. Uh, loan qualifying, they fixed an issue where ghost effects and skids were showing up from other cars. I, I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, but it's kind of weird. Uh, they finally fixed that. Uh, another thing got released where you can program uh, button pushes where two buttons uh, together work as a separate button, so to speak. I haven't tried it yet. Uh, and then we talked about the spotter at the beginning of the race. Uh, there's a new setting in the app INI where you can change car low high at start equals one, and you'll get a spotter immediately at the start of a, of a race. So I'm thinking I might turn that on tonight just to test it. Uh, they worked on the animated pit crew a little bit. Uh, crowds, we talked a little bit about 3D crowds. Uh, if you turn on high on uh, crowd detail in your options, you'll get the additional 3D characters are added around the, the track. Uh, and just tons of stuff, guys. I mean, it is a quarterly build, and uh, they did a lot of stuff. Okay. Chris, you want to try to take the next one? We lost Chris. I'll take this one. All um, right. So, uh, I'm probably going to mispronounce his last name, but Dave Kamer, um, he works with the tire model. He, uh, he had a very long, lengthy, and in-depth post about the NTM V7 tire model that's more likely going to make it into the next build and the it June build. is yeah it's it is probably the most crazy thing i think i've ever read um i mean the thing is almost i would say 10 15 paragraphs long it is very in-depth about the way tires are made and how each component affects other components and basically they're going to try to make the realist the most realistic tire model they can without just trying to mimic what tires do. They're trying to make their tires be real tires and not just try to make the data work. Um, but long story short, short um, with the V7 variation, um, I'm gonna actually kind of read what he put here. With the V7, the variation of lap times from cold to hot temperatures is much better. There is no longer a golden outlap syndrome and the lo grip loss with temperature and fill over the limit has been improved, plus a whole lot of other good stuff. So it is, um, it's definitely something worth reading, even if you don't fully understand it. It really shows what they're trying to accomplish and how they're doing it and the level of detail they go into. Um, the level of detail is what is blows you away. Yeah, they go into like how each molecule connects to this and 
what each individual material in the tire does. So it's not just what happens at certain temps and all this stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. He basically describes the way he's modeling the rubber and the tires. He's doing it from the molecule level up. He's kind of reverse engineering a tire. Yeah, I wow, it was um, it was impressive to read, and even like I said, even if you don't fully understand it, it's worth taking the time. Um, just because I'm probably sure there's be information. Need, need to be a college engineer, a college you know graduate engineer to really understand this. I had to read sentences three, four, or five times to try to grasp what I'm reading, because it's very uh, technical and. Uh, it can easily go over your head and and it's like like I think Chris you said your brain melted when you tried to read this <laughs> oh god yes yeah I read like the first couple of pages and then I ended up skipping down just to the like the last page but oh my gosh it was ridiculous yeah you have to be an engineer to understand what he's talking about I think I know it was way above my head yeah so he you know he just kind of describes what he's doing and what he's been working on for these years V7's coming out in June, and this is what it is. Now, what is it? I mean, I understand it's going to help fix the tire problems where there's temperature in these tires, and temperature affects the compounds accordingly, and, and the tires behave accordingly like they do in real life. And that's kind of what we're missing, and I think that's really going to lead into the next topic. And it's kind of interesting, the timing of all this, uh, with the next topic that we're going to talk about, as well as the post from the founder of iRacing about the tire model coming out. Uh, so what else about the tire model? I mean, it's hard to just say out loud in a sentence or two what it's going to bring to us. It's just, a, I think, an evolution of what we have now. You know, it's just the next evolution of it. Yeah, and they actually, he actually answered some questions people posted up after he made the post. And there was a couple of things I wanted to know. Um, one of the questions was, when will flat spots be modeled? And his reply was, 95% of the behavior of a lockup is modeled already. Um, but it's they're working on the remaining 5%, and it's on the to-do list. But um, it comes after rain, which I thought was a big thing. Um, also, he talked about uh, tire failure in the future um, from excessive heat. And the biggest thing is, he, I'll quote him here, he, I don't want to overhype this. It'll be some kind of rapid deflation event. Um, so it sounds like pretty soon we're going to be able to pop our tires if we overcook them. And flat spotting's not too far out, but we gotta, we're going to have to get rain before that. So I'm thinking... Everything he's covered here, I would say we'll probably see within the next year and a half, two years max. And there's a lot of really cool stuff. Um, you just got to sit through all the reading to kind of get to it. <laughs> yeah, I'd like yeah, to I see the, the melting beads like you would see in um, you know, a real NASCAR race. If yeah. you set up a car to where you know the, the camber is ridiculous and crazy and you have a lot of heat on you know, that inside edge or whatever, it melts bleed bead and you lose a tire. Yeah, right now, the way people are kind of abusing and working around the camber settings, which we'll go into more here in a minute, I'll let Mike kind of go over that. 
right now there's really no penalty for running a lot of camber. And in real life, I'm sure we've all seen it where they'll blow out the inside B because they got too much camber in it. We don't have that, and we're kind of cheating the system. And it sounds like if not this next higher build, the one shortly after, like they're going to solve this problem. Um, yeah. Which is going to make building sets and everything a lot more challenging and I'm going to say rewarding in the long run. My final thought on this on this post by the founder of iRacing who uh, very infrequently post. Um, if you ever thought this wasn't a sim, you need to read this. I think this will prove to you this is literally a simulator. He's simulating to the molecule how sulfur and rubber compounds and oil interact with each other at, at different grip levels and different temperature levels. And it's amazing the kind of modeling that he's pulling off here. Um, and it really goes to show you that it truly is a, a, a simulator. So let's go into the next topic, the big topic of the week, uh, Max Camber and what's called now supersets. Uh, so let's let's dig into this. So all within a short, you know, seven day span, uh, it's come to light that all the uh, open A teams, specifically the peak teams and the people running in NIS and people like us uh, running the A car, um, it's it's become public now that um, people are running a particular set that has max camber, which means you run the tire just on the edge of the tire. You like twist that thing up so the it's not making a good patch with the concrete and you're only running on the edge of the tire. So that's what we're talking about. And these sets are basically have max camber. And what happens is, is there is some fall off, but at, at some point the temperature goes super hot on the tire, but nothing ever happens and the fall off stays the same and there is no fall off. And so that's really the, the problem here. Uh, so I'm going to read some of those posts from the forums about this to kind of give everyone an idea about what we're talking about here. So um, it all started with a post from Keegan Leahy, who is the VRS setup guy making the setups for VRS and obviously a very uh, well-known setup guy in the iRacing community. And he basically posted up... Uh, uh, what he thought about this issue and basically bringing it to the public eye. Um, so I'm going to read a couple quotes here. So the Band-Aid last build made it so this camber thrust turned from a qualifying only trick and a funny forum topic into something required to race on, on, on at most tracks. What I see happening is the static camber limit getting reverted back down two degrees and max front ride heights getting reduced to four inches. All this will accomplish is force every single car to be at max camber and max ride heights until we finally get a fix to whatever effect is making 370 degree tires work better on long runs, not work. And so a friend of the podcast, John Hammer, uh, actively involved in these discussions, pointed out, that he's known this issue since 2015, and he reported it actually in the forums, uh, showed us a link and everything of where he found the same problem three years ago and tried to bring it to light, and I don't think anybody really noticed. Uh, but it's been a problem the entire time, guys, and it's just now become uh, popular or well-known 
that everybody now is running these sets. Uh, another quote. This one is uh, the Max Camber deal. Just to be clear, it's not cheating. It, it, it's not cheating at all. Cheating would mean that you have access to something that someone else is, does, doesn't have or you're using something that is expressly forbidden by the rules. iRacing has a tech inspection that takes place in the garage, and if you pass that inspection, you're allowed on the track. The people that are running these setups are exploiting a limitation of the tire model, but they're not cheating. Hopefully it'll be fixed in the new tire model version 7. It definitely creates a barrier to entry for people who try to read and learn about setting up their cars only, be, only to be barking up the wrong tree because of an obscure flaw in the physics engine. However, with that being said, there's always an area of the physics engine which is found and exploited. The best setup builders and teams put in hours, days, etc., attempting to find them and gain an edge on the competition. At some point, uh, Todd Hendrick uh, quoted or came up with the uh, uh, name called Supersets. And uh, so that's what people are calling it now is supersets. Uh, and then the final quote on this topic from our champ, Ray Alfala, he wrote up, no one is cheating. They're making use of what the sim gives them. The issue is that the, this is probably the biggest discrepancy we've ever seen between a conventional setup and a superset. Generally, camber is a way to make some free speed, but the risk of overheating or blowing a tire. Right now, you can tell that the physics hate what we're trying to do to the cars as they dart around and react all funky. Even with this odd driving behavior, though, it's still the fastest way, and the more camber is better. There's little to no consequence in running a ton of camber, and that is making things rather interesting. Hopefully, it's eliminated with the version 7 tire. So I almost think that David Kamer uh, released his information about the version 7 tire as a way of saying, hey, this is what we're going to do about this, because this is obviously a problem. It wasn't addressed by today's build in any way, shape, or form. So uh, this is going to continue to be a problem. We're going to have to run these Max Camber sets just to be competitive. Yeah, but I think the smart guys are going to see this coming and adjust accordingly i it's something i think people will abuse for the rest of this build until we get the next set of tires but those people who are only gaining speed because they're abusing it they're gonna fall out real quick with the change because i mean if we're able to blow out say the right front because we're playing with too much camber that's gonna be a huge advantage for people who are really taking the time to learn this stuff so um yeah no it's gonna be they <laughs> Hopefully they can fast track this tire if it starts to become too big of a problem. But in the long run, I think it will work itself out. The other thing I've noticed is I don't think anyone from iRacing has actually acknowledged this superset situation. I think maybe I saw Tyler Gibson put in some kind of comment, but it wasn't really an acknowledgement. It kind of makes me wonder if iRacing has access to the setups we make. Because... I almost guarantee you at the peak level, they've known about this for a while. They just keep it hush-hush, do what they can to make themselves quick. Um, as any team would if you find a little exploit or glitch or whatever it may be to make yourself quicker. Um, 
you're going to take advantage of it. Um, I just wonder if they're able to monitor and see what we are doing with our sets and think like, well, hey, why are these fast guys doing this and the slow guys not and get more insight quicker? Or do they just honestly not look or care? Or just, can they not see what we run? Because I bet you if they monitored everybody's setups, not to take information, but just to see what fast people are doing, they could probably catch these exploits a lot quicker. Yep. Yeah, and I wish they were taking them, you know, and they can, if they can see it, why not? I mean, NASCAR, you know, will take a car randomly and take it to the, you know, their garage and tear it down and look for, you know, little exploits and stuff. So what's the difference between that and, you know, a guy win a race? You don't necessarily, you're not going to post it out for everybody to see, but iRacing I could take a look at it and say, oh, this is way, way out of whack. We got to fix it. And then they'll fix it, and people will figure out how to, you know, tweak the setup to make something else crazy happen. But it seems like the important thing is when you when they see something like this, get it fixed as soon as possible. Well, this looks like other, on this one, it's been going on for a while. Well, the other big thing, too, is you can do whatever you want as long as you pass tech. You pass tech, you're golden. There's no tech after the race. There's no post-race inspection like in NASCAR. Well, that's where I feel like iRacing could step in and see, like, hey, out of nowhere, say, David Flowers just starts winning races like crazy. What's he doing with his setups? You know what I'm saying? Like, there should be outliers in the statistics of certain drivers improving and gaining really quick or just anything of that nature. Anything that just stands out. Um, I'm surprised they don't. Or maybe they do and they just don't maybe say Maybe they it. do, yeah. Yeah, but, like... I would be curious, like, to see when you see somebody on the timing board two tenths, three tenths quicker than everybody else at an open race, they have to be like, hey, what's this guy doing different? Not that it, it's wrong, but just for them on their back end to know to catch these things before they become public knowledge. Uh, the good news is it is this is public knowledge now. So thanks to Keegan Leahy for bringing it out. Uh, Thanks to John Hammer for, John is putting up sets. Now, he's been doing this the whole NIS season so far, but now he's doing it purposely, putting up max camber sets for anybody in the forums to download and use. And, uh, and he's doing it to help level this playing field. So the, the, the little guy who doesn't know what he's doing with setups can actually participate and be at the same speed and fall off as everybody else. And so, can, you know, kudos to John for doing that. I think that's uh, very noble um, for getting th that information out there. And uh, kudos for John for finding this problem three years ago. But too bad they didn't fix it then. Pretty crazy stuff. Uh, superset. So that's the new keyword. All right, Chris, you want to try the next one? Yeah, so it looks like we have the first iRacer to win zero or to win with zero laps led. And this comes from the forums from a post by uh, Daniel Shirley. Looks like he raced a couple weeks ago. And uh, one night he was racing the C fixed race with the trucks. And uh, I'll just read what he wrote here. He said there was a large accident with about four to go that I was caught up in. I made one more lap under yellow and the engine blew on the back straight. I towed back to the pits and while the field was while Phil paced around on yellow and the race finished. My pit stall was in the first one past the start-finish line, so I could account for this. 
the results screen, I was shown as finishing 11th, which would have been correct. However, on the results page through the website, I was shown as having won the race, receiving 100, 106 I rating, with an entire lap on the closing finishers, uh, the closest finishers, and disconnected status. So it also appears to show everyone completed 26 of 30 laps, with me completing 27. So completely, so something clearly went wrong here. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, he won the race as disconnected. Yeah, that's nuts. And you see, you can see some crazy things that that happen. I wonder if this happened. He said it was a large accident with four to go. Um, I wonder if this was on a restart because I know you you see a lot of crazy things happen if a caution comes out before the field can get across the line. Right. It seems like it would be really weird if a caution just came out while they were all running around and this happened. Yep, they got something broken for sure there. So that is the first time I've seen that. He didn't lead a single lap but won the race. Yeah, I don't know if I would have posted that in the forums. I think I would have been quiet about it. <laughs> well, they're I'll not going to take it away. But Yeah, pretty cool. Uh... All right, Tony, what's next? Oh, we got some more iRacing versus real-life comparison videos. Um, they're, uh, you find them on YouTube from uh, JBH showing side-by-side uh, -side comparisons of cars on track in real life. Um, a few that he's got up is the uh, Audi R8 LMS, uh, Mount Panorama, uh, Bathurst, uh, the Porsche 911 GT3 Cup at uh, Spa, Mazda MX-5 Cup, uh, the 2016 one at the uh, Laguna Seca and 410 Sprint Car at Eldora. Um, he's oh, as well as the uh, Gen 6 Monster Energy Cup Car at Charlotte Motor Speedway, and oh, another one. The same video. Oh, is it all in the same video? Well, yeah. there you go. Boom. Um, I didn't watch this one. Now I've watched some of these. Uh, um, you know, side-by-side -side comparisons, um, just not this particular one, but, man, <laughs> it's pretty wild how close this is. Now, I find, you know, the biggest one is, you know, obviously different uh, advertisements on the track and stuff change, but other than that, I mean, really, there is there is not a whole lot different. Um, oh, yeah. The driving line, even. The curbs, every little thing. Yeah. Elevation. Yeah, now, even, like, there's there one that I was watching, like, the the bumps in the road are are like are matching up like how crazy is it this is silly yeah pretty cool to watch i always like watching these uh just to see how it compares and what does it look like and it's a i mean if you just kind of look at it and you're not really studying it you probably can't see the difference which one's real and which one isn't I actually couldn't tell the difference when I first loaded up. I actually thought he has the um, the sim on the top half and then the real life on the bottom half. The bottom half was a little washed out, and when I first looked at it, I thought the the eye racing was that bottom one. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's uh, it's uncanny how it looks. Well, I mean, you know, going going back to when I when I first got into eye racing and I'm and I was checking things out and I actually. Uh, watched a, a, a broadcast of um, the uh, the Peak Antifreeze series. And I so I'm laying in bed with my wife, and I pull up the tablet and, you know, check it out. And I, I'm like, 
I, I don't know if I had signed up at this point or if it was just after I'd signed up to I, uh, to iRacing. And I mean, from that point there, I was absolutely blown away um, with the quality and, and, you know, the production. I was like, this is just like watching NASCAR uh, in, you know, in, on TV. And then when you get to see these side-by-side -side comparisons, um, it really shows you how well these guys have, have done with this stuff. Yep. Yeah. If you haven't checked out this video, y'all definitely should. Um, I've seen a lot of comparison videos before, but they're usually just, you know, uh, one car. But with the the six different cars, he, he runs all those, and they're all running a lap, and it is ridiculous. Um, you know, just like Mike said, how much. I mean, it's every corner, every apex. They're almost identical. It's not yep. all that impressive at some place like Charlotte, but all the, you know, some of these um, these road races, it's it's pretty insane. He even took the time to put it in, like, the right weather conditions. So I think, like, the last one at Sonoma, there's fog in the sim and there's fog in real life. So they, they put a lot of effort into this one. Yeah, search YouTube, uh, iRacing VS Real Life Comparison 2018 and check that out. It's from somebody called JBH. All right, I'll take the next one. Uh, another YouTube uh, posted up by YouTuber Dude Conrad. Uh, him and Tony Stewart racing side-by-side -side for the win. A car at Tally and hosted. And uh, pretty darn cool. I watched this, and uh, at the very end, it's Tony and, uh, and three other guys basically racing for the win in the last couple laps. And they're mixing it up pretty good, and... Even coming down to the checkered, uh, they actually touch doors a little bit, uh, trying to you know outrace each other, and uh, and then Tony comes on the radio after the race is over and you know talking smack and telling him congrats and all that, and it's pretty cool. Pretty yeah. cool to be racing Tony Stewart. What a what an experience that'd be. Um... To be able to do that, uh, and I, <laughs> I can't get over this guy's name, dude. That that's just awesome. Uh, love it. But uh, you know, to be <laughs> to be able to like bang doors with Tony Stewart. I mean, come on, it don't get any better than and that. He literally did bang doors with him. So yeah, Man, I think he's... it's just really cool when I'm on a track with some of these guys. I couldn't imagine beating one of them. That's got to be just a thrill of a lifetime. I bet. I bet he was uh, sweating. Yeah, he, pretty cool. He leaned down on Tony coming to the line, and, like, the first thing Tony said, like, right after they crossed the line, I was like, hey, man, good race. So, um, yeah, that, that's got to be one of the coolest feelings in the world right there. Yeah. So, uh, always having these real na uh, NASCAR drivers and people on the sim, and, like, we saw Christopher Bell earlier today, and here's uh, Tony Stewart racing tally-hosted stuff. So, pretty cool. All right, uh, Will, what's next? So we got a forum poll. Um, Mark Pitford posted up on the forum, would you race an open instead of fixed if we had a, sat a Saturday slot? And the results came in. 70% of people said yes with a total of 40 votes, and 30% said no with 17 votes. So uh, just looking to kind of tweak the schedule, um, I think people, from my experience, seem to prefer open. So... Um, I'm thinking hopefully soon we get an open on a Saturday. That will be good because I'm I'm just 
I can't do Fridays, and it seems like they do Thursday or Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday. Saturday, Sunday for for fixed, and it seems like you get four shots for fixed and only three for open. So I'm glad they're evening that out. And it makes sense too. I mean, most people have a real job to have Saturday, Sunday off. I mean. I'm an oddball that gets a Tuesday, Wednesday off, which works great for the podcast. But for all those people out there who just work a nine to five Monday through Friday, they don't get as many opportunities. And to be missing one of those on the weekend of all times is just kind of odd. Um, I like I don't run enough NIS. And I probably should run more, but I wasn't aware they didn't have an open slot on Saturday. And but now that I do, it's like, well, why not? Like that's when people can race. I voted no on this. I mean, I don't have any skin in the game because I work on Saturday, but um, I vote no because it's always been that way. I mean, this this NIS schedule has been in place for years, guys, and uh, this is just somebody wishing they would change it. It's not mean that's going to happen. It probably won't happen would be my guess. But uh, it is interesting to see that people are asking for it. Um, I don't know the reason why we've ever had an open on Saturday, but that's the way it's always been. Yeah, I gotta be honest. I think I would probably vote yes on this one. I don't, I mean, yeah, it seems like, uh, for most people, Friday night's the most available time to race. And I don't know what we have going on Saturday nights that they're trying to not interrupt. I don't know if, you know, when NIA started, there was something else going on Saturday nights that they didn't want to, um, take participation away from and it just stuck i don't know i just not really much going on saturday nights at least not from you know the nascar side well even if they did it for saturday it wouldn't be saturday night they'd put it at like noon or one in the afternoon because that's i mean hell the the open on sundays is at 10 in the morning well they already have an nis race um saturday mornings or i think it's around they they do but it's fixed they're both fixed there's one real early, and then there's one later. I wonder if that was a mistake at one point, and they just kind of left it. Like they were going to do one it's open, one fixed, one from... open, one fixed, and somebody needs to hit fixed twice, and I'm like, hey, let's keep it. I think that early Saturday fixed is was really there for the Europeans because of the time. And I don't know if they didn't have enough fixed slots but i think that's the reasoning behind it to tell you the truth now i'm thinking about it but anyway uh moving on i'll take this next one because it's kind of a a long one but i'm going to make it short uh hardware software uh some more information about the fps bar and the q bar and uh one guy posted up uh, randy cassidy from the staff uh about the q bar he, he, he gives us more detail. He says, from the left to the center bar measures packet loss from the server to you. And if you see it on the right to the center bar or right to the center bar or center to the right, I guess I should say, that measures pa- packet loss from you to the server. And so when you see that Q thing if it's on the left side or the right side, it means different things. So left, left is from server to you. Right is from you to the server. So remember, traffic goes both ways. And uh, when you have a Q bar problem, 
it's it can be one way or the other or both and so when you see the whole cue bar lighting up that's both obviously so i don't know if you guys knew that you know i think i'm pretty fortunate i don't have enough issues with the sim as far as connection goes that i've ever even had a look so thankful there but at least now i know if i do have issues to glance up at it and um if it's on the right it's your fault that's what i got from that <laughs> yeah and then another tidbit on the s bar s is in sam uh, the s bar is measuring if the clock of your sim is in sync with the clock of the server it can get out of sync if the physics can't keep up or if the graphics are dropping below 60 frames a second that can stall out the physics or if you have any other sort of network issue either on your end or somewhere out there in the internet and so when you see that s bar moving that means um, your computer's not keeping up with what the server is you know the servers going one second two second three second and you're going one second two second three second you know what I mean you're out of sync you're going slower than they are and that could be you know from a faulty computer or you're running garbage computer or, or bad graphics or you have your graphics too high and you're not getting enough frames per second it causes things to choke that's what happens okay Chris you got the next one so it looks like uh, iRacer Tanner Watkins um, popped up a, a forum poll. He was curious about what kind of setups people were running and ran a poll to um, see. And I was actually uh, <laughs> I was pretty happy to see this because I was curious myself. So it looks like a single computer monitor, 26%, single television monitor, 8%, double computer monitor, 2%. Double television monitor is nobody at 0%. Or actually, there is three people. There's three people out there doing that. It just came up as 0% on the poll. Um, running triples is 32%. Uh, triple television monitors is 1%. Uh, VR is 29%. And other is 1%, six people. I'd be curious to know what other is. <laughs> it seems like he pretty much covered everything here. So what's the big surprise? I think triple computer monitors is leading I think that's surprised me I thought it would be single but most people have triples according to this poll and then I, I think the other surprise virtual reality uh, in a in a close second I mean 29% are on virtual reality now that's almost a third I had no idea I was thinking 10% you know I feel like as time goes on as the single computer monitor shrinks because people change I wouldn't be surprised to see VR grow because I was actually looking at triple monitors. Um, and right now with the sales on VR, um, it's cheaper to go VR than it is to go triple monitors. Now there's obviously pros and cons to each. Um, but I almost bet you if they ran this poll in a year or two years from now, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see VR tie if not start to surpass triples. Yep. Yeah, I know I uh, two or three years from now, that's what I plan to be on is um, uh, VR. And for that, just the reason you said, it's, it's cheaper. It, it costs more to go out and get the three monitors. Plus, um, kind of the way my setup is now, you know, if you get the, I can just sit in my chair, stick on the headset and be good to go. Whereas with the triples, I mean, I'm going to have to set up a rig in a different room. I can't do that in my, my living room. Right. 
Yeah, there's a lot of differences. You know, I, I agree. I think virtual reality will be the leader in this poll uh, in the not distant future. Um, so uh, a lot of people voted too, 668, which is quite a bit for a forum poll. Yeah, I'm really curious what other is. I think that was just people trolling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, what about uh, what about a projector, right? I mean, that's yeah, uh, yeah, that could be. Now, what you need on there is triple projectors, right? See what <laughs> I'm saying? People have them. <laughs> yeah, I've seen people in the forums. I have them. So, yeah, I saw one on Craigslist the other day. The guy wanted like fifteen hundred bucks for the whole setup, but it was like a a rear projector, and it basically made like a hundred and eighty degree screen it looked really cool but that's um that's next level right there <laughs> all right tony next topic oh i'm sleeping a little bit uh max car settings in the graphics tab um so it's a it's a post from uh david tucker and um i guess somebody was asking is there a way to test what the max car setting could be um, so he says, uh, we support up to 63 cars, maybe 62 now in a session. Um, used to be 64, but the ghost car takes up a slot. Um, out of the box, we set it to 20 cars and it can go as low as 10. The setting controls not only how many cars are rendered, but what data we send you from the server. So if you set it lower than the max cars in a race, you will lose cars in the race, in the replay. We optimize things to prefer sending cars close to you so that you don't notice them blinking out when driving. And as you already figured out, doubling the number of cars transmitted can have a negative impact on performance. Um, also, somewhere on the website is an option to set your network bandwidth. If you want to bump that up, if you increase the max cars so that we have enough space to send high quality information about all the cars. Um, yeah, I didn't know the. Well, I guess they'd have to support up to 63 cars, but man, that'd be taxing on your computer. Um, I know before I I built my computer, I I think I set it to like uh, about 10 or 15 cars just so I uh, my my little crappy laptop could handle everything properly. Well, that's the lesson here is if you have a crappy computer, this is what you do is you change it to 10 or 20 cars, you know, and you don't put it on 63. Now, I think I have mine on 63, but if you ever have a problem where your computer's not keeping up, that'd be one of the first things to look at, you know? I yeah. Think, oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I think Joel Real Timing requires you to have it set to 63, which is why I run it at 63. I see. Um, but I had a, when I bumped that up, I had a lower other settings to offset it to keep my frame rate steady, so... And yeah. don't forget about the network bandwidth setting, too. I I really think it's a good idea for everyone to have that on the highest setting. I, I'm not sure where, what you get if you put it on something lower. Where is that? It's on the main website. Um, it's under the settings or the gear, I think it is, in the upper right. It's not in the sim itself? Uh oh no I'm I'm mistaken the amount of cars no that's the app I and I right Will uh you nope. can access it through the graphics options in the sim oh so you can do it in but sim but you can I do believe... it in the app I and I too yeah you can do it there but I believe when you're on like the press room page or the home page when you go under settings 
that's um, that's where you do the here. network thing. That's I believe right. so. I've ever seen that somewhere. And if I'm not mistaken, it was like a high low option. There wasn't anything as far as details. Yeah, I don't know where that is now that you mentioned it. It used <laughs> I to actually, be there. I just changed this the other day, and now I can't remember where it is because I actually did go to the settings page and it's not there. But yeah, it, it kind of gives you options um, as to what you know what your internet speed is, and the default option was pretty low. I think it was like I can't remember. It, it was says almost like DSL, a dial speed. cable, T one, you know. And yeah, I wish I could find that now. Like I said, I just changed it this week. It might be under my account, uh, but let me look. Anyway, uh, yeah, check that out. Like uh, Will said, you can probably do it in the sim itself if you need to change it. But um, okay, let's jump into final topic. I'll get it. Uh, guess what? Friday Dirt Night, Mitchell DeJong did not win because he did not participate. <laughs> And so we have a new winner for the first time. Johan Harth claimed the victory at Iowa. Uh, so good job, Johan. Uh, and uh, Mitchell DeJong is finally th uh, thrown off the hill. I was so hoping you were going to uh, read who he was trying to hold off. I'm not even going to try that. I just butcher that name. But, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, finally someone else to, to talk about with uh, – this the the GRC race. Um, oh, hi, good on uh, Johan Harth. Yeah, and with the upcoming GRC Pro Series, uh, hopefully uh, he'll he'll give those guys a run. All right, let's get into final thoughts. Chris Scales, what do you got? Uh, not much. Just ready for Phoenix. Uh, so this is my first time there and having fun so far. I I really enjoy the tracks where you actually have to drive and you're not just holding the, the gas wide open most of the time. And um, also, you were right about the that setting. It is under your account. If you go all the way to the bottom of the screen, um, that's where you could change that setting. And yeah, it, I think by default it came up as a 128k um, cable, which is way slower than what I have. So if um, oh, you haven't yeah, checked I that out, it. you might want to do that. Yeah, I found it. It says 128k or faster, 256k or faster. 512k or faster or 768k or faster or one megabit per second or faster which is the fastest one and that's where i have mine yeah i think most people should have that by now at least a megabit yeah i would say that's a smart move so go on the website click on account look under preferences there's a drop down good job chris finding that uh david flowers for your final thoughts uh just ready for phoenix and gonna be testing out the audi more at uh lamar to get a feel for it and see how it goes um that's Seabrain. really it uh i'm trying to get a fourth driver it's looking like it's a 50 50 shot so we'll see all right We'll see if you run that. That's this Saturday, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. I have to work. So, all right. Uh, Tony Gross, final thoughts? Yeah. Um, bit of a bummer week for me. I, I, I love racing at Vegas and uh, I, I just, uh, real life getting in the way, man. And that's 
some weeks that just really sucks, especially if you're losing out at a track like Vegas. It's a fun track to drive. Um, not so looking forward to Phoenix. It's probably one of my worst tracks, minus the road courses. Um, man, I just I just always have a hard time coming off a of turn four. Um, but hey, it is what it is. I'll uh, I'll put my happy face on and uh, you know that I can actually race this week. So looking forward to that. Um, yeah, and I just want to say to Chris, man, that was. That was such a fun race battle, and you know, for that ninth place finish in that road to pro, I had to bring it up one more time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, good run there. All right, William Gibson, final thoughts? Uh, not a whole lot here. I'm just excited to play around with this new build. Um, really looking forward to the next tire build. So it's like we just get a new build today, and I'm already looking forward to the next one. But um, no, I'm just really excited. I want to shout out um. David and Chris, like you guys have been driving phenomenal. I've been helping you a little bit, um, not so much as helping Chris as much as David. But um, yeah, no, I'm happy to be part of the team. This has been a really, really good start to the season, and I can't wait to see how we finish it up. Yeah, well, very good. Yeah, speaking of the team, yeah, we're up to 14 now at Team Tafosi. David and I sat down and counted today, and that's about right where we want to be as far as how many people we have. So. And it's been fun uh, watching people interact on the setups and everything. And there's a lot of positive vibes going on with the team. And uh, obviously getting people more involved in the podcast and the social media around the podcast. If you haven't noticed, we've had a huge new presence on Twitter at iRacers Lounge. So check that out. Uh, a lot of interaction going on. Uh, thanks to Will for that. And uh, Discord, we're on there now. We're on YouTube Live. Uh, and you name it, so uh, check it out. You know, as far as my final thought, um, happy for Phoenix. Uh, I kind of sucked at Las Vegas. Um, I, I really couldn't pass people there. And uh, we'll see what happens at Phoenix. It's usually like a caution fest, and if you can survive, you'll have a good run. And uh, as far as this superset stuff and the and the Max Camber, boy, it's it sure made a busy week for content. And in fact, we have so much content. We did not go over everything today. So we're even talking about doing a bonus episode, maybe even tomorrow. So uh, for you listeners out there, watch out. We might have two podcasts this week. So um, with that being said, we're out. See ya. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.